Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. This is our fun food and drink focused podcast. Uh, and the gang's all here. Aaron, Troy, David, Wing. Woo! Woo! With friends. With we friends. have a lot of friends today. <laughs> yes, a lot of friends today. We're, you we're just back shortening to and shortening our intros? That's great. Yeah. Everybody's here. Wing, Troy, oh, let's go. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it the other day, and we're at episode what, David? 160. 160. 160. So it's like these oh, people probably, I always say like in case you haven't listened to our show before. I haven't done 160 sit-ups in my life, let alone podcasts. I think people kind of know. So they're probably like, yeah, I get it. David Martin, call him if you want to sponsor. I think they kind of David says, no, you can keep saying that one. We're back to taping in our conference room today. It's kind of fun. I know. Right? We haven't done a show at our own office in a while. Feels homey and warm and great that we didn't have to figure out where to park. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we all work at San Diego Magazine on the off chance that you don't know about this podcast yet. We all work at San Diego Magazine. Troy's our food critic. Uh, and we just talk about all kinds of fun things, food and drink in San Diego. We have an awesome show and a great special guest. We have Chris Liang, uh, the co-owner of Common Theory Public House and the Realm of 52 Remedies on Convoy Street. Um, really cool, newish spots. And we will um, go into detail there. Uh, coming up. Uh, we always start with hot plates, though, sort of newsy things that are opening uh, restaurants and bars and things like that. David's 60-second beer, beer review uh, is happening. It's a special edition. Come on, natural light is Get making it. sparkling waters now. Get you know excited. that. Oh, it's Get excited. Uh, and of course, we are partnering with the Padres all season long uh, to count down our 50 favorite things to eat and drink at Petco Park. We're in the sweet treats category, so that's coming up. We have a hot topic about now. Apparently, you, you can legally bring your own Tupperware mm-hmm. in order to take your to-go stuff from any restaurant in we'll California. We'll get a perspective on that from our restaurateur here. Because yes. some, some people are in, that's some people are out. There's out. a lot of things that you got to think about as a restaurateur, whether or not it's going to be safe or you're going to get blamps of for some foodborne um, disease or illness or something like that, you know, it's crazy. Okay, and then of course we always end our show with what we call two people 50 bucks, our own personal recommendations of what we've been eating and drinking lately. So wing it, take it away, tell us what's new. All right, so we finally know what's happening to the old Cafe Chloe space in East Village. The owner of Tajima Ramen is going to open a fried chicken joint corner chicken in its place. Uh, we reached out to Sam Mokirizono, the owner of Tajima, to get more details, and he says it'll be a casual spot that'll serve chicken wings and fried chicken sandwiches from lunchtime till late night. It'll also have 20 different beers on tap and should be open by the end of the year. 2019 or 2020? I would like to say that this decade or this next, say, five, six years <laughs> yeah. is brought to you by Colonel Sanders. That was the trailblazer. It is the era of fried chicken. Everybody's doing fried it chicken. It's they? making a... Oh, yeah, huge. Well, you look else? at Crack Shack. You oh, look at yeah. Cross yeah. Chicken. Okay. It's the new bacon-topped Brussels sprouts. It's the new chia seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, fried chicken is... back. You know what I think it is, too? Because we are eating so much healthier. We are getting so many bowl restaurants. We're getting so many yes. kale restaurants. We're getting so many, you know, like vegan and vegetarian and, you know, everything probiotic and everything else and you're like you know what i also need in my life a donut place and a fried chicken if i'm going to eat this many chia seeds right you know and like, and make it good if you're going to eat the thing like let's do it well mm-hmm. yeah. you guys do fried chicken at your place yeah we actually just introduced the new uh szechuan hot fried chicken sandwich so <laughs> see oh, damn you know kind of have to jump on that wagon as well so any of your fried uh, little quail yeah knots. oh yeah for 52 yeah. remedies yeah those yeah. quail are knots are delicious so good yeah did you have quail at Drew Deckman's? Um, I did. You have to have quail at Drew you Deckman's. I, don't, I think he actually throws it into your mouth unless <laughs> if, if you don't if you don't eat it. He just it's goes, a prerequisite. You turn around. He's like, "Here's a quail." 
<laughs> Can I get you some wine? Here's your almost bush. Eat this quail. Go eat quail at True Jackman's, everybody. Okay, and well, that's exciting. Release. What do we think about Chloe turning into fried chicken? You know, I'm just glad somebody's taken up that space. It's been uh, empty a it, while. It's been empty mm-hmm. a while. Cafe Chloe, just in case, you know, you didn't, you don't know San Diego. I mean, they were there for 14 years before East Village was a safe and or reasonably safe um, place to do business and, and work. And it was, it was pretty seedy. And they were kind of the canary in the coal mine. And they managed to make the, this magical place for 14 years. Everybody cried and, and, and curled up in a ball and muttered prayers to themselves when they closed, you know, and now that little space is open. It's a tiny little space. It's a hard place to manage yeah. because that kitchen is about six and a half square feet big. I was going to say, it's not even as big as this conference room table that we're recording this podcast yeah. on. I mean, it's like half as big as this table. Yeah. So that's why you kind of have to do that fast casual. Like if you focus on one thing, chicken, you just have a chicken station and bang, 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 get it in, get it out. You know, for a full service restaurant, I don't think it would have worked. Hmm. And now I'm thinking about that block from Chloe down to like the bowling alley or the Thai place. There's a couple new places there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, block. you know, it's it's we're recovering and, uh, until the economy just implodes again in the next six months, and then then, then everything's going to go away. Yeah. Yes, it's okay. on nine. It's night, <laughs> not eight, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm sorry. Brad. You're the first thing to get cut podcast, so I, it's not going <laughs> to fold. I read no, one economic this. This blog this it's weekend, easy. and I'm like, there it is. We're done. <laughs> there it is. Only read one right. a week. <laughs> Max yourself out. Okay, we have something called Zinc is coming up. Yes, the chef and owner of Zinc, it's a French cafe in Los Angeles, is opening a location here in Little Italy. Zinc, it's known for its brunch, bowls, and tartines that are made from bread from Polon Bakery in Paris. Zinc has locations in Venice Beach, WeHo, and downtown LA. And at the time of this taping, its Little Italy location is set to open any day now in the AV8 complex of Kettner in West Hawthorne. Uh-huh. A little LA flavor in San Diego. I'm excited. Oh, man. Mm. Go to LA. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> No, no, I'm really happy. I mean, this is a good concept and we're getting a lot of good concepts from other cities and that's totally Mm -hmm. fine as long as that place could not have been rented out by a local. You know, I I do worry a little bit about Little Italy in terms of um, outside concepts coming in because it's blown up so much. The rents have gotten so high that now we're having to look outside of our own city for for places that can afford the rent that have the economic largesse. 57 restaurants across the the country or six or seven or three or four like this. You know, I want to keep it as local as possible possible there should be a um like a a minimum amount of local businesses that have to be there you know it's like when you build an apartment building you have to set aside a certain number of units as affordable when you build a thing you should set aside a certain number of affordable for locals but beyond that what do you think it means for san diego that we have la concepts like wanting to come down here like i think that's so cool you know la is the epicenter of food san francisco is the epicenter of food and here they are like looking across their horizons and they're like san diego that's where we're going to expand to that's so exciting it's really exciting even for like convoy area like yeah. in Mesa, all these new concepts are coming down from like LA so there's like hot pot places there's all these like you know Korean from like K-Town uh, you know cheesy corn dog places coming down and things like that so a lot of cool stuff happening and I think I, we've I, arrived I've uh, wanted to leave LA and I've never lived there you know so I mean <laughs> yeah. it's just I, I I really don't I don't know I'm, I'm a little reticent about it Me I'm too. a little you know and, no, and, I'm jaded and, right there with you it's like good luck LA it's not gonna work here I know and I'm a little I'm a little um, I, I feel 
conflicted about feeling this way because I shouldn't be, you know, so averse to outside concepts and creativity, right? You know, there's a little bit of me that almost feels nativist in that way, not to get too political about it, but you know, that whole thing that I don't agree with on the political level, you know, of like keeping this our own. I almost feel that way about our own. You're a NIMBY. I'm a, no, I'm an OMBI only in my backyard for locals. You know what I mean? Locals can play in my backyard before I give it out to outside concepts, you know? So I guess I'm just a call to San Diego restaurants to kind of step mm-hmm. up their game and fill those holes before LA does. Well, I'm really excited because I'm someone who drives to LA to go to dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and the I do fact think that it's coming to me I is think that, something. that kind of people are growing here. That that's population true. is definitely yeah, cool growing. People. But I do think, I mean, I don't know. I just think that on paper, people in LA look at opening a restaurant on paper. They look at the demographics. They look at the thing. Yeah. They see the photos and they think, oh, this will work there. But it's like, have you been here and have you hung out here? It's just not like that. It's just different. This speaks to a larger truth about San Diego, too. Yeah, because we we're are just not the way we look on paper. It's still kind of a funky city. Well, it, it is. It's definitely harder because we go to bed earlier than L.A. does, for sure. And we you just know? don't care as much about stuff like that. I know. Or well, for that long or, or enough to sustain it. You know yeah. what I mean? And and we do have a restaurant glut, you know, as every restaurant tour mm-hmm. has talked about. Um, but it does speak to a San Diego emerging right now and we've seen this mm-hmm. over the last few years i mean is definitely emerging la emerged decades ago mm-hmm. san francisco emerged decades ago san diego was rip van winkling its way to an orca show <laughs> you know i mean it was just it was sleepy and now it's awake and everybody all the restaurant tours yeah. from other cities are like you know what i could open another spot in la or san diego's really growing right now and they're really and they're gonna food. freak out about tartines because they don't have any yet exactly. like that's the thing it's like well they don't have a tartine place we have 11 it's like you know tartine's my go-to lunch when I need to make it myself so now that I don't have to I'm pretty stoked I'm gonna be first bring your tartines we'll like them for a little while and then we'll probably go back to the neighborhood place that we've been going to forever um okay Margaritaville is coming oh yeah this is a whole thing let's see what everyone thinks about this yeah speaking of moving our city forward if you haven't heard yet Margaritaville is coming to San Diego it's the first west coast installment of Jimmy Buffett's successful hotel and restaurant chain and is taking over the Paradise Point Restaurant and Spa in Mission Bay. Coming sometime from 2020 to 2021, who knows, you'll get to enjoy the seafood-heavy menu and, of course, the cheeseburger in Paradise at the restaurant and resort. What's that? The Cheeseburger in Paradise? It's basically a song from Jimmy Buffett, which is, there's a whole legion of people who like this white man in Bermuda shorts. I'm not really sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, me too. I was going to say, like, I feel conflicted because I'll bop around to the song like everyone else. Absolutely. But Paradise Point. I know, Paradise Point and Cheeseburger in Paradise. I mean, it feels like somebody drew this up. They're like, all right, where should we put our next, yeah, Cheeseburger in Paradise. (gasps) They have a Paradise Point. Oh my God, you know, and did the market points on it and then put it right there. I'm not excited about this whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I love no. Jimmy Buffett, you know, I, I just, those like big planet Hollywood type concepts that came in the 80s and everything else, you know, I'm like, I, we don't need another massive chain restaurant dedicated to 16 foot margaritas full of about six cups of sugar, you know, and yep. three ounces of creativity, you know, I mean, yep. we really don't, you know, we really don't need these kind of but places. It, I'm so sorry, Margaritaville, and I'm sure people that work there are amazing people and you guys are going to hire some locals and it's going to be good for the economy, maybe, you know, but I, this is the kind of concept that I really don't want to see in San Diego. Agreed. I you think know. this is the opposite of the Zinke and talking about LA coming down. True. Like, what are what is this city that we can support Margaritaville and mm-hmm. Tartines? Exactly. So, so next time we're, we're going to get like, yeah, we're going to get a, um, I don't know, like another Hard Rock Cafe coming in. We or... will find it Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I know. 
I know. I, it's Paradise Point is just like, I just feel like that's very San Diego. I know. And I the know. Barefoot Bar. Mm-hmm. Other cats are using the like a kitty litter. You know what I mean? I say everybody go. It's not closed yet. Did they close it yet? Can you still go? Marie, can we still go? If you can still go, I recommend go book a room and stay there. It's it's just a super rad little spot. It is a great spot. Yeah, speaking of great spots, Carlsbad's chic new wave French restaurant, Jeune Jolie, has a new Le Renaire prefix menu on Mondays. Chef Andrew Bachelier creates a three-course menu made fresh each week from what he finds from local farms, fishmongers, and ranchers. The starter, entree, and dessert combo is only $35 a person, $50 for wine pairings. Bon appetit, and that's $50 total. So it's what? $15 for wine pairing. That's really cheap. What? $50 total. That's amazing. Are you sure yeah, it's not a $50 add-on no, for the wine? No, because I originally wrote it on Insta as like 50 with wine pairing, and they reached out, and they're like, no, it's $15 wine pairing. And I was like, stop. Hold the phone. Okay, I'm that, coming. That's really cheap. Now, I'm going to stop yeah. being a negative Nancy, which I feel like I have been for the first half of this podcast, but uh-huh. that's a fantastic <laughs> deal by one of the best young chefs in... Uh, not terribly young. He's just being... Feels like he's young because he's only been around <laughs> at a couple of restaurants, you know, but he's worked his butt off and his w- way up. Andrew Bachelier is one of the best young chefs in San Diego, and that place, Juna Jolie, is French and darling, and, you know, they're using great food and mm-hmm. great service and great plateware. It's one of the, st- like, stir additions to this city and it's really reviving Carlsbad if you can get $15 wine pairings because they don't buy cheap crappy wine I kind of want them to increase the price so they can make money I know well, it you doesn't know, seem like but this money. is just one night on Mondays mm-hmm. maybe you know, it's that's a, Monday a slow thing. night you, you do yeah. it on a slow night you get people to come in there and they're like you know what I'm <laughs> gonna come back and spend $50 on a glass of wine next mm-hmm. time right you know that's, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. the most charming place I know are you ready to head up yeah no I've actually I feel ashamed because I've never been up there yet and just been kind of running around like crazy with our spaces that I have yet to visit but heard amazing things about I mean it's really fun yeah, yeah and it's and the know. coaster stopped stopping there my favorite part about what you just it said it sounded like downtown. you said I was crazy busy running around at our places I have yet to visit yeah <laughs> meaning like you haven't visited your own places I'm like yes that's a busy man <laughs> <laughs> okay we've got is that it wing it or you that's got more it from me okay you guys that's hot, what we call hot plates uh, you can find all of those and everything we talk about on this podcast at San Diego Magazine there's a post for every episode with all the details as well as links uh, you can also find more hot plates in your San Diego magazines every month I know you already all subscribe uh, or you will subscribe by going to sdmag.com insiders that's how you can find out um, how to get the magazine delivered to you every month and then you can also find Troy's blog at sandiegomagazine.com where he keeps um, I don't know just his own opinions about stuff and first looks and cool Troy stuff in between print issues um, on the website yeah, just did a first look on a restaurant in Carlsbad called Black Rail, um, going into kind of like the suburbs. Another restaurant that's kind of choosing the suburbs over the sexy, like, yeah. State Street, Carlsbad area, because the suburbs deserve a little bit of good food, too. Just because you have children doesn't mean you're dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a childless uh, millennial just is like, I don't know. I think it does mean you're know. dead. I'm not going to go there. Okay, you guys, it is time for David's 60-second beer review, and it is a very asterisked special edition this week take it so for those of you that don't know tomorrow is mr troy johnson's birthday from this this recording and so uh, i forgot about that (laughs) (laughs) just to throw him under the bus and let wing it this is when you're supposed to talk about how old he is yeah he can finally rent a car (laughs) (laughs) but so uh to honor him we're reviewing natty light yeah (laughs) 
no Those who have listened know he requested every week, whatnot. So uh, this week I was review. totally kidding in the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> I've been saying that every time. I love you so much. It's, it's happening. So, uh, so a couple little fun facts about Natty Light. First of all, you know, uh, on Rate Beer, which is a website, uh, it is one of the lowest rated beers in the country. Funny thing. Anheuser-Busch owns Rate Beer, which rates all these different beers. So uh, <laughs> they can't even control it on their own website. But so some circles, it's known as Natty, Natty Light, some Nasty Light. The one that I always liked growing up was Diesel because it kind of tastes like it was fermented in a gas tank. And so uh, that's why I love it. Yes, yeah, it definitely. smells like home. <laughs> exactly. But so very light in body. Uh, lighter body than I would say, you know, even like a LaCroix, something along <laughs> yes. those lines. And you do get this though, like this end taste of this like stale graham cracker, which is uh, oh, which is really pretty good. Hey, as a 1970s <laughs> latchkey child, maybe that's also why I like it. If you could get a little bagel dog note, then it'd be perfect. Definitely. Well, so comes in at 4.2%. And uh, to end this review, I will say nothing is more humbling and humiliating than at 10 in the morning going to your bodega that is a craft beer bodega walking past all the really good craft beer directly to the king can of natural light and buying that on monday i have never (laughs) felt so honored i'm so special in my life chin chin this is the first time i've had natural light since i was 20 years old i I feel i hope it's warm oh (laughs) right it's been sitting in the back yeah that's how it's best served best served room temp Wow! Oh, that's, oh wow! That's bad. That's, yeah. You know, it tastes like like the beer pong ball has already been in there. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it tastes like. Definitely. Well, we'll be back next week with a much better beer to review. Oh, yeah, Modern Times Ice. I'm gonna drink the whole thing. <laughs> Happy birthday! I love you. Okay, you guys, we have been uh, partnering with the Padres all season long in honor, in honor of their 50th season here in San Diego. Uh, we, are, Of course, we're a food podcast, so we are counting down our 50 top things to eat and drink at Petco Park. We've done different categories. We've done international flavors. We've done our so local um, favorites. And right now we are in the sweet treats category. So counting down our favorite sweet things to eat at Petco Park. Um, the first one is the Cutwater Spirits Bally High Tiki Rum Mai Tai. Very sweet and delicious, as well as the classic ballpark churros try both of those next time you go uh, out to the Padres games and you can get your tickets at Padres.com okay we are moving on to our special guest Uh, I've got a little bit of your resume here you've already been piping in which we enjoy so much uh, on the show today Uh, but in case people don't know a little bit about you your name is Chris Liang and you're the co-owner of Common Theory Public House and Realm of 52 Remedies on Convoy Street Uh, Common Theory is an elevated gastropub that has a menu created by um, Jonathan Bautista, who was formerly, oh wow, at George's Mm -hmm. by the Cove, um, the head chef there. Realm of 52 Remedies is more of a speakeasy. It's kind of inside Common Theory. I've been there once, so I know right when you go into the left, there's like a separate little entrance. Uh, and it was Troy's pick for best design in this this year's Best Restaurants issue a couple of months ago. Um, Chris, you were born in Rosarito, Mexico, and you've lived in San Diego since you were in middle school. And then you spent your childhood and teen years um, eating and shopping all around Convoy. You went on to earn a degree in structural engineering um, from UCSD. I know. I'm Murray, oh, yeah, this is all Marie Your Tech mother's Co. name is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, you guys but I, know more about me but than I, I think do. It's so, I love that Marie's so good. She gets all this info. But you know the idea that you went to school for structural engineering, but yeah. then you followed your passion and opened Common Theory with your childhood friend, June Lee, uh, a couple of years ago. You're definitely one of you know what what we have been talking about as a wave of local entrepreneurs that's bringing new life to Convoy. So welcome. We're yeah, to yeah. No, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, my background's kind of crazy, uh, a little wild. 
Um, parents migrate from like central China out to Mexico and landed in Rosarito, where they, uh, you know, had wow. some original like family members out there, and so that's where I was born. And then, and there's a lot of that actually. Is there it, is. I, I, yeah. When I did the big cover story on um, Baja cuisine a few years ago, you know, I, one of the quotes from one of the chefs was, you know, you ask a, a Mexican mm-hmm. what some of their favorite restaurant is, I guarantee one of them is a Chinese restaurant because yeah. there was such a big Chinese diaspora down there, right? It's it's um. Some of the, you know, the culture down there is on the weekends, what do you go out and eat? And mm-hmm. it's like, we're going to Chinese restaurants, yeah. you know, on a Sunday, like, you know, all the Chinese restaurants are filled and uh, there was a big influx, you know, that kind of came out this way. Um, and my parents were just part of that fleet and, and yeah, just grew up down there. Yeah. And a lot of things that they kind of just face or, or end up doing is just restaurant business because they know how to cook and uh, bringing something new to the neighborhood and things like that. So, so they had restaurants in Rosarito when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not in Rosarito, but just in Tijuana. Okay. So, so yeah, so I grew up in this neighborhood called uh, Colonia Libertad. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we had one out of the two restaurants that we owned at the time. Uh, it was called uh, Palacio Royal. Uh, good shout out right there. I still have one of them right now that oh, my really? uncle still owns and operates. But, but Nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I grew up in the business and then, um, you know, my parents then kind of sent me and my brothers over to the States and lived with some uncles out here. Actually lived in LA for a little bit. So I spent like my uh, kind of early elementary uh, middle school days in LA and just and eating tartines with the pre-millennials. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. <big> deal. <laughs> yeah. Eating fried chicken, actually. You got to get with it, man. We sound like old fogies on this show. You and I got to get with it. Yeah, so um, then, you know, we kind of made a stake here in San Diego when my parents saved enough in uh, the restaurant business and bought a house in Chula Vista. Okay. And then so my brothers and I all moved back down to Chula Vista and then did my high school here, ended up at UCSD, did my engineering thing. Um, And then so it was this crazy venture into doing the like corporate world, uh, did civil, kind of like geotechnical engineering. Okay. Um, what I did for like, you know, seven, eight years. And then... And at what point did your soul deflate? And you, you, look, you look down <laughs> and it's there in the recycling bin. Yeah. And you're like... As I graduated from, you know, drinking like, you know, nasty light up to like craft beers <laughs> and stuff like that. So I was super into craft beer. Uh, me and my buddies were just seeking out a bunch of breweries like on the weekends. Uh, so, so I want to say I tell everybody, you know, craft beer is kind of what got me back into the huh. restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. It was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we spent every weekend, you know, at liquor stores just searching for like the newest IPA or, or whatnot. And then um, from spending all that time in Convoy, then we're like, man, we got to do something craft beer centric. There is O'Brien's there, which we love. Shout out to O'Brien's. And O'Brien's yeah. is like the first place in San Diego yeah, really yeah. doing craft beer. I love so. Tyson down there. He's he's actually, funny story is when we were building out Common Theory five years ago, we were kind of nervous and walking down there and just saying hi to Tyson and, and, and everybody because we've been out there just grabbing beers. But now, you know, being a local kind of business owner in the same field somewhat, um, two blocks north, you know, we were a little nervous. And when we walked into the place, he was just like big bear hug. Just get over here. Like oh, the more for cool. the neighborhood, the the better. I'm, I'm getting the goosebumps right now. That's just kind of cool. talking about that. But it was super cool. And uh, we've done a bunch of like beer dinners together now and collaborated and doing like this kind of local pub crawl kind of a thing, uh, which we call the, the convoy flight. 
Uh, there wasn't amazing. much in. I mean, it really wasn't much in, in Convoy except for mm-hmm. O'Brien's really doing craft beer. I mean, yeah. imagine you had a Sierra Nevada in a bottle somewhere, but yeah, it was it was it was O'Brien's and then maybe Society holding it down uh, mm-hmm. for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, so not a whole lot of other breweries were were in place, and so kind of saw that as an opportunity. But then also, that was like you know the neighborhood we grew up in, shopping and eating and and studying and you know going for boba or whatever and, right. and that's where you know we felt most at home and wanted to do something but but yeah you must have known because there was such a hole in craft beer over there and society's amazing and they're a brewery and they're you know over on the mm-hmm. edge right next to the 163 or 15 yeah yeah, 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 I mean, yeah they're right on the edge you know but there was nothing really doing craft beer and food at the time mm-hmm. you you must have known that you're like I think we have a hit here. <laughs> Unless we screw this up royally. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean that that was definitely a void that we saw and so wanted to fill it and yeah. and it was uh you know, it took us almost like two years in finding a spot. Um and, and along that time frame, you know, you kinda get other places thrown at you like Little Italy and, and uh, you know, Point Loma and, and mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but those places didn't feel like you know, like didn't feel like us. Like we we hung out there but not not as much to call ourselves like local or part of the neighborhood. And so see, that's great that it took you two years. I think that Mm -hmm. every business should be that way. They should have that holding period of like, do you sure you really want to do this? It should be like that way for tattoos, you know, like, you know, just you have to wear this temporary tattoo for two years. And if you still want it, we'll make it permanent on your body, Mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, in two years, you could have had a completely different life change. You could have said, you know what? Restaurant industry is really volatile. I'm not going to get into it. Or I'm going to go back to engineering because I'm smart. You know, I don't know. Uh, that's great that you actually kept that drive alive. We we were, we were tried and tested quite a few times, and we almost wanted to change our concept. We mm-hmm. might have jumped into something else, like a fat fast food chain kind of a thing, like you know this Korean stuff that my business partner knew about, and yeah. and there was like all these you know this kind of anxiousness building up that we wanted to do something, and it was taking too long, yeah. um, but. I'm glad we kind of stuck it out, yeah. You could, Maybe we should tell everyone listening what the concept is, because I bet there's a lot yeah. of people that maybe haven't been yet. Troy, it's sort of modern. On the inside, it's food. It's not just a bar, but you do have... Yeah. How many taps do you have? I mean, the, 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 the central thing of it is lots of craft beer on tap, but there's yeah. food, and it's sort of like a modern open hall kind of a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Common Theory, uh, the name of it actually kind of explains it all. Um, you know, as I was explaining, the, the whole love for craft beer, and it's really... Uh, a combination of like good craft beer, amazing food to go with it, and and a good space uh, to enjoy it all. So then that was like our common interest. Uh, so therefore, common theory public house kind of came about. But um, from a design standpoint, it's like this open German esque kind of a beer mm-hmm. hall. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a variety of seating ranging from like your little four top dinner table to individual booths that you can kind of have like a little bit more of a date night kind of a thing. Um, and then also just big old benches where you can just sit right up next to whoever. And how and, many people does it hold? Um, it is like 180, 190. Easily. 180 and 190. Wow. It's a big restaurant. I, yeah. I had a feeling that it was about that number because you know, for your first restaurant, you didn't decide to do something small. You could have just yeah. had a corner shop, <laughs> man. You could have done 15 <laughs> yeah. And in the it five was... years you've been open, mm-hmm. have you seen it evolve? Has it stayed true to that original concept? Like, where yeah. have you gone with it? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's grown. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's evolved, but it's still kind of maintained what it is today. And it's actually. Uh, truly hit some of those marks that we didn't expect it to. Uh, and that's from like a 
demographic standpoint, the age group, uh, you know, based on what we studied back then, like who we wanted to hit, uh, it's super eclectic. Um, it's it's one of the proudest things that that we could definitely check off on, because um, the people that come in there, everybody just feels comfortable. It doesn't matter if you know all the all the dealerships up there and all the auto shops, like you know, mechanics are out there and. And you'll see, like you know, um, people coming off of the Kaiser down the street in their mm-hmm. scrubs, uh, and, and people from the office, like in their suits. Like you know, it doesn't really matter. You're grabbing a good beer and good food right next to anybody else. All right, so, now this sounds all, all sounds really yeah. nice and good, and it's, it's positive. So let's make that not positive. What was your <laughs> oh, what was your oh shit moment? I always like ask, asking this, you know, of, of restaurateurs because it just yields like the I got through it, you know, story, which I always like. And what was it, what, what was the one moment, whether you're opening Common Theory or after you were open, that you're like, oh my god, how are we going to get through this? Yeah, um, first year, and and we remember it clearly. It was actually World Cup back then mm-hmm. um and and it was it was it was big oh shit like we were understaffed uh i was still working my engineering job at, at okay. back in the days oh, and so i was doing like you know nine to five get off work and then come in and oh. then like help out it was crazy i don't even know how i survived that but um we were just unexpectedly busy from the crowds coming in and kitchen was backed up and and People were walking out and, mm-hmm. you know, my business partner jumping on the line and and we're expoing and, and running food and just doing it all. Like my brothers and sisters and aunts and It uncles. was crazy. Yeah. And, and it would get to, some days it would get to a point where we were like, we can't take any more food orders. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're, we're out like, of food. Yeah, we're, we're, we're like out of food, but kitchen's still pumping out like food nonstop. And, and, you know, first, first few months, just inconsistency and things like that, yeah. that you're facing as a restaurant. And it was just like, holy smokes, like this is, this is rough. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, um, and it was just some of those growing pains where, you know, cooking the food is one thing, but then managing the staff and you got this, you know, 35 plus, you know, employee operation and, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to, for the first time as actual business owners, the both of us were just like, you know, pulling our hair out. And just, it's hard enough you know, to cook crazy. food when you trust that person to get that job done. You got this many people that you're trying to orchestrate and employ and get their taxes and their payroll and everything else. Yeah. It's it's brutal. Okay, now let's fast forward a little bit. Realm of 52 Remedies, which is a speakeasy mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. it, um, designed by Michael Soriano, one of the best designers in town, has done the Pearl Hotel, Vindicera, a bunch of other things in town. Um, why did you decide to do that? And um, talk to me a little bit about the arrival of design and convoy because for years it was some of the mm-hmm. best most authentic Asian food that you could find in San Diego or anywhere near um, but the design was nothing it was an Asahi poster with a vinyl booth you know yeah 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 um, yeah Realm of the 52 Remedies um, came about from maybe like in our third year of planning you know Common Theories kind of gotten to a good Good growth, uh, good kind of cruise control, but it's never like you know hands off. Um, but uh, so we wanted to grow, and, and and the next door space became available, and it was really an opportunity to to then kind of take it to the next level. For Common Theory, it was really um, uh, like a second growth of like Common Theory as a whole, uh, which kind of played out perfect. And, and where the next door space became available. And we said, man, we have to make it a hidden bar and then make it part of like Common Theory growing as a whole. 
And then that was a perfect way to maintain Common Theory as a beer bar, beer-centric, and, and leave all the amazing eating and all of that on the outside. But then within it, we can still run an amazing like liquor and cocktail program. And so um, with that being part of our growth, then we started on a big search into really doing something um, that highlighted the neighborhood. And so, you know, if you guys have been to Common Theory, it's it's an American gastropub yeah. and it, it doesn't shout out like any kind of ties to the neighborhood, but it but it does our logos a dragon and things like that. Uh, but it was really like, you know, an American pub. Uh, so then with 52 Remedies, it was our way to kind of pour out the city, uh, pour out the neighborhood, and then also take a deep dive into like our background and June's Korean background, my like Chinese and kind of, you know, but also Mexican weird background. Um, this was, by the way, with Michael Soriano, this was a lot of questions that he was like diving into for ourselves because he, <laughs> from a, he was like a therapist. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it was such a journey, uh, an amazing journey to work with him because he's he's a true artist that that really wanted to um, make sure that the space represented what what mm-hmm. we are and what we wanted to do. Um, for like you know the neighborhood and everything so well and if you guys haven't been i mean it's super cool yeah like it's super like you walk through there's like an entrance thing i mean we don't <laughs> want to give it all away for people that haven't been but yeah. there's a whole way that you go in and then once you get in there's all these little i don't know like nooks and crannies and pods it's not like you just go in and sit at this place like it's a yeah. whole yeah. procedure a whole thing but what i like about it too is it's not as pretentious as some of the other ones like you don't have to text someone a thing to get a thing to get in I mean you can get in you just walk in and say I'd like to go in there and they're like sure come come yeah. this way but yeah. it's cool when you get in there yeah yeah it's 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 a uh, it's kind of hidden in plain sight with yeah. you know quotation marks the uh as soon as you walk into common theory there's a big bright white door that uh kind of just tells you you know see me come in or come in um but yeah so so uh, thank you for kind of pointing it in that direction because the whole idea was really um, show everybody like what we're all about, but then also walk everybody through like an experience. So you're on the common theory side and you're like in this, um, you know, present time gastropub and it's like very loud and it's crazy. And then you actually walk through that initial door into the 52 Remedies Apothecary is what we call it. The Apothecary, oh, which it seems yeah. like some kind of like Space Odyssey 2000, yeah. you know, 60, yeah. you know, like <laughs> white, you're inside an iPod, you know, sort of thing. Except and you're and smelling all these different, yeah. you know. And then you, you close the door behind you and, and amazingly enough, it shuts out all the noise from Common Theory and you're just like in the Zen place. And, and, and all of a sudden now like all the ingredients that are showcased in the jars just like pop out at you and you smell the aroma. And then that's where our host will then kind of just give you the story in the background, uh, tie in the neighborhood and why we chose this type of direction uh, and using a lot of like Asian ingredients and um, Asian fruits and stuff like that mm-hmm. to, you know, showcase a good program from like beverages and, and, and food. And so. your bar manager, his name is Chris also, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Chris Lee. And mm-hmm. he is having some fun with those cocktails. Oh yeah. He's yeah. making one where he tried to figure out how to infuse shiitake mushrooms. That was like mm-hmm. his dream. Like, how do I get shiitake mushrooms in a cocktail? That's a dream. Yeah. And he figured out how to do it. And then he serves it with pretzels, which then brings yeah, out the flavors of the mushrooms. Like, did you, where'd you find him? And did you just tell him to let loose and go for it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that, that drink you guys are talking about is called the opium den, uh, 
one of the most popular cocktails that we have on there. Um, yeah, so Chris, Chris Lee uh, kind of goes way back with June Lee. They're not, they're not brothers. Uh, but uh, so June, my business partner, knew Chris from a while back. Uh-huh. And then um, when we were ready to do this cocktail program, he knew that he had been studying cocktails and really like geeking out about them um, for the past like maybe five, six years, something like that. So uh, it was kind of perfect timing. He just ended up making the contact and he was working locally, but he had done work in LA and then back in Korea. So he was working for a bunch of bars in Korea and things like that. So he was really honing in on his skill and it was just kind of perfect timing that he was done with this other pub down the street or this other, uh, uh, it was called uh, Soho was the bar down the mm-hmm. street in, in Convoy. Um, and then so he wanted to do something better. He liked our vision. And then he jumped on board since the get-go, even during the time we were building out. And so, yeah, he was developing menu ideas and things like that. He was, like, designing the bar. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for a bartender, it's super important where everything's, like, within hand reach and, yeah, and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So he was yeah. heavily involved in the beginning. And, uh, yeah, we gave him the flexibility to kind of just go wild with, you know, a couple of pointers, like Asian ingredients, tie in this neighborhood, bring out your background, like, just just. Kind of go and crazy. make it yeah. good, dude. And make it yeah. good, yeah. <laughs> right. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, eight different types of ingredients. It could just be like three. It could mm-hmm. be four. Just like make it solid, and it doesn't have to be like you know wild, like crazy. But mm-hmm. yeah. the last thing I need to ask you is obviously um, the hiring of Batista. Uh, now, a convoy, and this is you can't say that's the first time a real deal chef has been in convoy because mm-hmm. you've had moms and pops who have come directly from the country cooking in you know Vietnamese kitchens and you know and uh, Korean kitchens and everything else. Those are real deal chefs. They may not have gone to culinary school, but it is the arrival first of a, re, a, a chef that has been at the top, top, top mm-hmm. restaurant in San Diego, or one of them, you know, yeah. at George's at the Cove. It's the first time I've seen a chef that already had one of those pinnacle spots, yeah. which you and work probably here, classical training. A, a ton of classical French training. training. French yeah. training, mm-hmm. everything Tons else. Of, yeah. Worked under the masters. First time I've seen one of those chefs at that spot go over uh, to Convoy. Uh, that must have been a big investment for you because they, they don't come cheap, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for putting that out there yeah yeah definitely not um no this this change is exciting um and and it was something that uh kind of just happened more recently but john and i chef john and i have been uh great buddies since i got into the industry so uh met him like five years ago when we started uh mm-hmm. george uh, and trey they they won an award back then uh when we opened up and then so they left it up to john to, to actually pick a spot to go celebrate and then he was like hey there's these two Asian dudes who <laughs> opened up some weird spot in like Convoy. Let's go, let's go crash what? them right now. Uh, he'll, he'll tell that story a little bit better, but um, we exchanged cards that day and, and, and it's been um, a great relationship that I've had the, the opportunity to kind of build with him and also with, with George and, and Trey, look up to them like mm-hmm. mentors. Like yeah. you mentioned that, I mean, they, they uh they're like 30 years strong and it's mm-hmm. crazy um so fasting fo- uh, fast forwarding um you know i got john chef john to actually consult for realm of the 52 remedies okay. and it was you, you know with with 
Chef Trey's blessing, and and it was okay. I was going to say, don't bring your chefs there, otherwise you're gonna, they're going to get poached. Yeah. No, 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 none of that. None of that. Let, let's be clear. Okay, that's. Um, I would like to re- invite Renee Redzepi um, for to celebrate an award at Common Theory. Yes, come Leave on your over. card on the bar. Uh, yeah. Five year process. No. Um, yeah. So so with with all utmost respect, obviously to to Trey and George and and. and you know, with their blessing, um, Chef John came over to him and consulted on the original menu for Realm of the Fifty Two Remedies, and 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 so he he actually got someone in place that that then you know took over the helm and had been running the kitchen this whole time, um, and so so then um, it got to a point where you know he was ready for more and and wanted to change the pace. I think he had been over at George's for, for the past like five years now as well. And so, uh, and I believe so for the past maybe one or two solid years, he had been taking care of all three levels at George's. And so, um, yeah, we kind of just stroked conversation and kept it growing. And, and you know, you know, f- as a restaurant owner, um, you know, talking also about the employment and, and keeping the staff and all of that, uh, Kitchens revolve, and 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 you know, um, eager cooks and hungry cooks, they're, they they come and go, and and they really want to continue to learn, and so they they take what they can at one spot, and then they they kind of move on to the next. So there's always like this kind of constant like turnover, um, and then so with Chef John, really, we talked about the opportunity to grow and improve Common Theory, and also Realm of the Two Remedies, and then you know explore to see what's ahead of us uh thereafter well i think so. it's a great move I mean, it's a, it's it is a great chef i mean not the only one in convoy by any means there's fantastic chefs that have been over there but you know it's a great person that has worked his way through some of the um, top kitchens in san diego and, and and worked with some of the top chefs across the world and can teach a lot of things that were at your kitchen so congratulations brother i want to oh, get to our man. hot topic um there is this new law about takeout containers i but i i have to ask you about really quick just the growth of Convoy, because we've had mm-hmm. a f- couple of different restaurateurs and we had a representative of the, the group, and I can't think of the name of it, that's sort of collectively trying to, you know, sort of help lobby to get some pedestrian spaces and safety Convoy improvement. District. There you go, yeah, Convoy yeah, yeah. District. Convoy District, yeah. Um, and the night market, you know, so we, we've definitely been kind of talking about this. I just want to get your perspective as someone that's been there maybe from kind of when things really started to change five years ago till now. <clears throat> I mean, is Convoy, do you see it in 10 years from now being a place with tree-lined streets and pedestrian walkways or what how do you feel about how that's going i, I hope so i hope so i mean um you know conway for the most part is like a bunch of strip malls yeah. and mm-hmm. and you know no and all these no parking yeah, uh, parking is really hard place to walk around yeah really. uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it'll i mean this is me kind of inexperienced talking but i don't think it'll be like the next like little italy from like a look standpoint perspective but i hope not you know okay. <laughs> yes um but but i think some changes are about to happen and and there's like rezoning talks and things like that so there's there's things in the works already that i you know have a little preview to and and, and some of the guys from like convoy district update me uh, so it's some exciting news um the growth has been already crazy in this past five years so now it's really you know talking about streetscape and and beautification and and how to get more like parking um, and then also like, you know, bike lanes and such and things mm-hmm. like that. Right now it's just four lanes, almost a fifth. Cause there's like a m- middle corridor and yeah. it's like all these cars are zooming by 
and and people fly down oh yeah, yeah crossing the street it's like you take your life in your hands mm-hmm. crossing the street yeah. there yeah. if you have to park far mm-hmm. i just want to get your perspective if you feel like it is yeah. organized and it is happening or is it yeah I, I think that as as far as like you know convoy district as a small little organization nonprofit organization is trying i'm not super involved with them but i try to go to some of the meetings uh they're trying hard to create these you know uh events these um, kind of like food events and, and the night market and things like that. I think the next step is somehow the city to work together um, and, and really make some make some moves happen. But, okay, cool. But yeah. Um, I feel like the realm of 52 Remedies too, just for everyone listening, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's something that you really should just go try and mm-hmm. see. Especially if you're a foodie and you listen to the show, like we get lots of feedback from listeners that say, I just take notes the whole time and I just find all these new places to go. If you really kind of feel like you're in a rut or maybe you live somewhere else, I would say this is a place that's maybe worth you know, driving a few extra minutes to go mm-hmm. see. It's cool. It's fun and different. It is experiential. Yes. yes. And should people make reservations or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Always, always suggest it. Uh, okay. Reservations are easily made through an app that we're using. It's called Resi. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of, they've been picking up a little bit more. That's so LA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no restaurants in San Diego use yeah. Resi and I love the she, platform. Yeah. She so. said that in tune. I'm that was awesome. telling you. Um, but yeah, just so that's good to know if you guys do want to make a plan. Yeah, it's um, one of our Narnias. You know, it's yeah, like it's cool. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know? I mean, you go in the back of that closet, you open it up to a different world. Yes. That's it. Genius. Awesome. Okay, so what do we think about this now? Okay, who did this? Gavin Newsom signed a bill um, in an effort to help reduce single-use plastic containers. Um, and we're not sure yet if restaurants or customers are going to embrace it, but basically a restaurant, you can now bring in your own to-go containers and a restaurant has to put your food in it. Is that, re- is that true? Yeah. No, Marie's no. shaking her head. I said it wrong. Oh, the, okay, so the restaurant can to. reject you, but you're allowed to try. You're allowed to bring in Tupperware. <laughs> yeah, he basically said this. you're allowed to now. And it, it, there's a there's a gray area here, as I understand it, because restaurants are are kind of responsible for making sure that those containers that you bring in have their own space that is not contaminated. That does not contaminate any of the food in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah, we would have to make sure. Of, of all those items to, to make sure that, you know, we, we put our food in there and then let's say you take it home and, and you get sick, you get and, then sick you get and then you kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it could have been my, my crappy washing. You know what I mean? It could have been my crappy washing of my reusable container at home, you know, that I bring in. And, and what I, if you brought in some illness into the kitchen I where bring, they were putting the food in? Exactly. So there yeah. is, there are some real concerns. I mean, the good thing is that California is making a lot of measures just like this. We became the first to, to enact a single-use um, plastic ban in 2016, mm-hmm. you know, and we are making measures like this. And you should be able to bring in your own Tupperware. I mean, it really shouldn't be that hard of a process. I think what you need to do is you need to be able to pack it yourself. You know, the restaurant should say, okay, look, if you have, you know, if you're bringing in your own things, you can take it off our plates into your thing, you know, and you take it home. Exactly. We do not pack it up for you whatsoever. And then sign this thing that says you'll sue me if you get sick. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, there's there's certain rules that are are crazy in terms of, you know, like if you bring a cup, like it's not allowed. If you have a, you know, say a tea pitcher, you're not allowed to touch that lip of your commercial tea pitcher to the top of that that reusable cup because my lip's been on. On there, yeah, you know that that part it has to do with like just cross can cross contamination. Right. Whether you know this sauce and that sauce, then you're talking about you know allergies and and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So so it mm. could open up a, a can of worms, you know. I mean, it's, it, uh, and I want more. I, I've talked about this, but forget my opinion. You're a restaurateur. I mean, how do you feel about this? You know, uh, as a restaurateur, you can start saving money on, on to go containers. You know, and and obviously the most Plus. important thing being is that we're going to re- reduce you know waste. But you can save oh. save money on to go containers too. I mean, are you into this? Is it a concern? Or are you? Yeah, I mean, I guess 
my personal opinion would be, you know, I would rather not deal with that headache and actually just kind of spend the money. Yes, from an environmental standpoint, we want to save as much as possible, but um, I, I, I truly think that you could end up having a lot more of these issues come up, whether it's, you know, not saying that people are out to get you, but, you know, any little thing, you, they could make a big deal out of it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the container goes from the, the dining room into the kitchen and it takes a certain amount of time and then it comes out. And, and you know, anybody could have an excuse for, for anything. So I think it's a lot of, that little gray area kind of worries me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I, I do like that idea of, you know, if it came on the plate and then you could, pack it up in your own thing that's actually not a bad idea right so, i mean okay I hey like look that. if you you want the environment we all want to help the environment too i don't want to deal with cross com- contamination mm-hmm. you take your tupperware that you got at your table dump that plate into it good Done. on you would you guys bring your own tupperware to a restaurant i have a sister-in-law I, that brings her own to thanksgiving and you know it's actually kind of nice because then you don't have to use up all your own i go in and out of personal responsibility because there was for a while that i was bringing around all of my own bamboo um silverware. oh yeah i remember that I, I was, era. and that, that, that lasted that lasted for months that must have been before oh, I remember that lasted that for era. months and yeah, i was doing really like, well i was reusing i was putting in my computer it was bag. like in your shirt pocket yeah. there was like a fork in there all you know, the time uh, and uh, you know because it just makes so much i was getting i was reading so much about all the plastic waste and did you leave it in a hotel room once, though? Yeah, I did leave it in the hotel. No, I didn't leave it in the hotel room. Somebody came in and cleaned, and they thought that it was um, it was throwaways. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that cost me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you know? that era. So I mean, but you, here's the, the real the the thing is is that you know microplastics have become the, the biggest environmental disaster that we've had mm-hmm. in generations. I mean, they're finding it's not even that trash you know floating trash museum mm-hmm. that you see in the middle of nowhere where all those horrific photos are up. They're saying now that you know all those microplastics is basically a plastic bag gets beaten down by sun by wind by waves mm-hmm. and it becomes into these tiny little beads that are getting eaten by microplankton and taking it down to the bottom of the ocean they're mm-hmm. calling our ocean plastic soup right now this is a massive massive problem that we need to address and if that means that i need to bring in a tupperware you know i don't think it's going to be that weird i'm going to be like you know what i brought my own tupperware dump it in and plus you know you just it's it's easier it's easier for me you know i mean as long right. as you have a bag yeah. or whatever you know it's, it's well, simple do you have a to-go container for your natty light um i have that to- <laughs> natty light will not make it out of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say I've been sitting here. Yeah, nobody's drinking it. <laughs> Everyone was the one it's sip. It's 10 a.m. I just came it's back like from Mexico. I don't want any more drinks. <laughs> um, okay, you guys, we are just about finished here with our show. I want to thank um, in advance Chris Liang um, from Common Theory Public House and Realm of the Fifty Two Remedies. Hang around with us though till, for the end of the show. Tell us where you eat and drink, other yeah. than um, O'Brien's. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. We end our show with small bites. We call it Two People Fifty Bucks. Wing it. Where have you yes. been lately? So I went to Il Dandy last week uh, for their aperitivo hours. So this is a true two people, 50 bucks. So in an effort... Because the food's free. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Only if you, you know, are yeah. good or nice. Um, so aperitivo hour in Italy is kind of that hour after work, before dinner, where you kind of relax and digest. And because you're in Italy, it comes with alcohol. So Il Dandy kind of took up that mantle and is doing it from 4 to 5.30 every day and it's six dollar beer seven dollar wine nine dollar cocktails i had two aperol spritz and a negroni and they are delicious um the negroni it's a twist on a regular negroni so it's a little bit softer a little less harsh and then the bites they've got all sorts of just classic little bites and they managed to combine my three favorite foods fried things pasta things and cake things into one bite so they fry pasta and serve it to you like on a lollipop like it's a little cake pop and you eat you just get smaller 
Yeah, it actually it takes away. It's negative space. I, I, you piss I'm me off a, in so many ways. I'm an optical I'm, I'm on the gym. I'm on the treadmill after every day. And I do my job. And she's eating pasta cake pops no. over here. <laughs> and they're fried. Yeah, and, and they're, they're fried. fried. Pasta cake pops. Okay, that is Il Dandy. That's the new, um, very fancy new spot below Mr. Mm-hmm. A's in uh, the Bankers Hill area. Just a reminder, we're going to link to all these places for you guys on the website, so you don't have to remember them. Um, how about you, Chris? Where do you eat? Two people, fifty bucks to spend. Um, you know, I'm going to have to get up to one of the spots up in Kearney Mesa, Convoy area. Um, they've been around forever, actually, so Crab Hut. Um, oh, yeah. I think you can spend a good 50 bucks in there and, and come out super happy with your hands, you know, nice and dirty, uh, smelling like all the seafood in there. But I think that that would be my choice. And what do you order? You just get the crab legs on yeah. crab legs on crab legs? Oh, yeah. And yeah. always add, like, you know, a pound of shrimp mm-hmm. and... Get the undue sausage in there too, nice. so that's always good. Yeah. All right, how about you, Troy? Where All right, have you been? I just got back from um, from Baja. Um, I take my fiance Claire. She's from New York. She's never been down to Baja itself. You know, drove across the border in her. It was ri- her first time. It was her first time. You wow, know, so that's big. Anytime, Yay. so we went down to La Fonda. La Fonda is one of my favorite little places. You know, as a surfer, it's a great, you know, just like on the beach of your private beach is great break out there called K58. Um, just realized that if she wanted like a um, tropical vacation, it's more of a surfer's paradise yeah. than it is to bring your uh, fiance <laughs> to. So maybe not if you're looking for a romantic weekend, don't just get an Airbnb down there that's remotely away from all of the restaurants. That being said, <laughs> I took her down to Valle de Guadalupe for one night. And anytime I go down to Valle, there are so many magical places in Valle. And there's so many more new places, but I couldn't get away from this. I have to take her every... Anybody who goes down there for the first time, I took her to Deckman's and and Elma Mm -hmm. Gore. Drew Deckman is a two-star Michelin chef. I got um, um, his Michelin stars in Germany. Um, He's been cooking underneath these pine trees on this winery for the last, like, you know, five or six years. They've grown it out without blowing it out. Mm -hmm. You know, it looks really natural still. You've got these bulbs hanging from these pine trees. He's cooking over fire. He's got these goggles on, basically like ski goggles because there's so much smoke. He's cooking quail. What he does with the local produce there is the best food that I have tasted down in Baja. You know, and I'm reticent to say that because actually he's a Mexican national now. Drew Deckman is a Mexican national. He changed his nationality ah. to Mexico um, because he, he didn't have a say. He's like, you know what? If I'm going to try and have a say in what's going on down here, I need to change my nationality and become one. So he did. Um, I, I, I still want to name a, you know, a Baja Mexican chef, right, my right, favorite right. down there. But this is the best food that I've ever had down in, in Baja. Deckman's, you have to go there. He has a single tomato that he just basically um, you know, slow roasts over fire with olive oil and salt and herbs. Mm. It tasted better than a $30 entree that I have mm. at most four-star mm. restaurants. Right. It is phenomenal. And just, the atmosphere is magical. It like, is, it's I mean, magic. You see the sunset over the mountains, the coming through the, the grapevines underneath this pine tree, wow. and you're sitting outside, and everybody's cooking over fire. There's smoke, there's wine, there's... Take oh. us there now. What are what are we talking about pricing? Just so people know. What no, to I mean, expect. so this is this is a two two people. I mean, if you're going to drink there too, yeah, two people, two hundred bucks. Is you it know. prefix always, or is it charged no. per entree? So there's a menu. Yeah, there okay. is a there's a menu. I, I did a five course there. Um, you know, but you can, you know, I would say, but you can get out of there for you know a little over a hundred bucks. You know, I mean, it's just like eating yeah. at a nice restaurant, and it's less than say a really nice restaurant in San Diego for sure. Yeah, you can eat well for two hundred dollars, and could you could go there and back in a day. 
Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. So like yeah. if you wanted to go for dinner, you could eat your dinner and then come home. Just don't do it on a Sunday because when I came back, it was on a Sunday yeah. after Vendemius, which is their wine harvest season. And I sat there in line for four and a half hours um, waiting to get back across the border. And then about 100 yard, yards from the in, the exit, I can see the U.S. side. I mean, we're delirious at this point. Like we're about ready to start like eating each other. And, you know, it, we um, I make a slight turn and I get a flat tire on oof, the Mexican oof, side of oof. the border. I will say, though, this is the best thing about Mexico. I have never had so much help in changing a tire it was like mm-hmm. a pit crew came out of nowhere and they're like they fixed it within five minutes our, they even went and got you a new tire our, right? our spare tire was flat you know they got it on they're like your spare tire is flat you idiot you know so they went the guy goes gets on his bicycle with my spare tire goes I'll be back in 10 minutes walk takes it somewhere you know off a street comes back in 10 minutes and it's perfectly fat and he goes you're ready to go and they even like help me get back into the line I was gonna say did you get your spot back they helped me get back into the line in our spot Mexico I love you Amazing. They're the best. I think that's the best note to end on. Um, if you guys want to give us your own two people, 50 bucks, we have a phone number where you can call and leave it for us. We'd love to hear where you guys are all eating and drinking. The number is 619-744-0535. 619-744-0535. You can also email it to us if you get weirded out by the voicemail. Happy half hour, all spelled out, at sdmag.com. Um, really, we truly love it. We kind of email about it amongst ourselves we when we get we them. Get really we just happy. go, oh, how cute is that? Uh, okay, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks. See you next Bye. week. Thanks. Awesome. See ya. Well, that was an awkward goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> they can't all be.